It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hey everyone, I'm loving this new idea for Daily Thunder in our in our season in between our training season, these six months. This is this is fun. I'm, I'm really excited about it, and I need to get used to it. This is you know a new studio, a new style, and so you know I'm hoping I come through as limber and ready and active and athletic in my communications. But you know when you're behind a camera you can sort of feel a little dull and dim. So we'll see. We'll see how I can do here. Uh, this first little series that I'm wanting to go through to sort of kick this thing off in this new model is called The Five-Fingered Giant. I even like the title. I think it's really cool. But it has a subtitle, and that subtitle is going to be very, very important. And that is A Study in the Purpose of the Bible. You see, we have this thing called the text of Scripture. And it has 66 books in it. And you know, the Bible itself doesn't actually call itself the Bible. And so this is a term that we have added on from the Latin, uh, but it's good. It, it still make, means the same thing. And so, so when we say, what is the purpose of this? Well, right now it's being trampled under and people are diminishing it and coming up with excuses not to agree with it. And so we, as the Church of Jesus Christ, need to hearken back to why God gave it. What is its great end? And so I think it could really be enunciated well in and through this illustration of what I'm calling the five-fingered giant. I, I like that too, because I'm sort of playing on this idea because in 2 Samuel 21, 20 through 22, you have this giant and he's a son of Goliath. So you could just imagine how mean this guy is, right? And uh, so let me just read this. I'll let it, the scriptures speak for themselves. There was a man at Gath, of great stature, uh-oh, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also had been born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were born to the giant in Gath, because there were four brothers to Goliath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants." So what you're going to see is that David and David's mighty men are going to wipe out not just Goliath, but Goliath's four brothers as well, which could bring you back to that brook. Remember when he picks up five smooth stones? Uh-huh. gives you a whole new appreciation. There were five giants in Gath. And guess what? David, I could just see it when he's picking up those rocks and he's, he's looking at Goliath. And he's like, you first, then you, then you, then you, then you. You're all going down. And this is a great picture of the five-fingered giant. You guys know who the five-fingered giant is, don't you? Well, I'm going to call it the Word of God. Now, what that means is that's the text, but that's actually something more than the text, as John the Apostle is going to reveal in his gospel. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the five-fingered giant that is going to crush the head of the serpent. You see, this world trembles before these six-fingered giants. Oh, these ones great in stature that are mocking and holding in contempt the saints of God, that hold in contempt the word of God, that hold in contempt the creator of the heavens and the earth. But this six-fingered giant is nothing next to the five-fingered giant. Now, okay, let me explain that. Uh, Jesus is going to become flesh. He had five fingers. Did you know that? Jesus is going to come to this earth. He's going to fulfill the word of God in text, and he's going to make it known in person. Five fingers. Yeah, that's right. Hint, hint, spoiler alert, five-fingered giants. 
All right, Psalm 43, Psalm 44, 3 is going to bring out an idea that I want to build on. First, I'll read this and then I'll build on the idea. For by their own sword, they did not possess the land and their own arm did not save them. But your right hand and your arm in the light of your presence, for you favored them. So what saved them? Well, it wasn't their sword. It wasn't the strength that they possessed. You see, how did they take this land of promise? It was actually God that took it. They still participated, but God was the one that did it. And specifically, it was his right hand. You see, when we think of the right hand, it doesn't really mean that much to us. It's just a hand. You know, what's the difference between a left hand and a right hand? Well, I mean, it's left and right. But to the Jew, a right hand is something very specific. It means the hand of strength and dominion, the, st the hand of authority and power and control. The left hand is a hand of dependence. So, for instance, a bride will lean on the strong right arm of her groom, which means he supplies protection. He supplies salvation to the bride. The bride depends. So the left side or the left hand would be dependence. And so Jesus is going to sit down at the right hand of majesty, the right hand of the Father. Why is that? You see, Jesus in his life here depended upon the Father. He only did that which the Father was doing. He only spoke that which the Father was speaking. So he is dependent upon the Father, and he's going to sit down in that position at the right hand. So what is he receiving? He's receiving the right hand of the Father, the hand of authority, the hand of all power, the hand of strength and dominion, control. Okay? So as a result, this hand becomes very, very important. And so that's what I want to build on. I want you to imagine a hand here, of course, but I'm going to say, imagine you can't see it. It's invisible. So if it waves at you, did you see that? No, you missed it because it's invisible. If it pointed at you, you miss it because it's invisible. If it beckons you, you miss it. You see, God's waving. He's beckoning. He's saying, you, you, but we can't see it. So what he is going to do is he's going to make this invisible real. He's going to make it visible. And that's part of what I want to build on in this series called the five-fingered giant, is that God is going to reveal that which is invisible to us. These five fingers are sort of the way that I describe discipleship in an overview. So when at Ellerslie, I'm going to teach, I'll go up to a 50,000 foot level and I'll, I'll look at the scope of scripture and I'll say, okay, guys, we need to understand what scripture is about, what it's for, what it's what it's pointing to. Because if I just start with one scripture and try and build out, you're going to miss the context of this. You see, the scriptures have been given to reveal that which is invisible. Very simply put, we could say the right hand of God. God's right hand is waving. God wants you to see it. God's right hand is pointing. He wants you to see it. God's right hand is beckoning you, but you can't see it. So he is going to give a revelation known as the word of God in text to us. And it is going to reveal that invisible realm. All right, let's go through another scripture on the right hand. Psalm 45, 4. And in your majesty, ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Isn't that just interesting? I really like, like it. I think it's a cool scripture. Uh, let's go through what I call the five fingers or the five fabulous fingers. Remember, you have this five-fingered giant. This invisible hand that God wants to reveal is going to reveal itself with five fingers. So when I teach the global understanding of how discipleship works and what we believe as Christians, I'm going to use the invisible hand, the five fingers of that invisible hand. Let's go through them real quick. You have the word of God in text, which we know as the scriptures. 
You have the word of God in person, which is the man, Jesus Christ. You have the word of God in action, which is his work on the cross. And you have the word of God in us, which is the result of all that, which is that the Holy Spirit now can indwell us. And then you have the word of God through us, which in summary could be very simply put to say Christianity. You see, all of that leads to the full expression of this invisible hand in this world so it can be seen again. You see, a glove, when it rests upon that invisible, now makes it visible. A glove is created in the image of a hand. So when, it, when that glove humbles itself and says, you know what, I don't have an agenda of my own, but I want to reveal that which is invisible, then as, as a result, when that hand waves, guess what? You see it. When it points, because of the glove, you see it. It's not the glove that's actually pointing, but the glove is agreeing with the invisible and it points. And when it beckons, you see it. This is what the word of God is. The word of God in text is going to give us the revelation of God's invisible nature. We actually can know who he is. We can know his purpose. But very specifically, he's going to showcase something to come. He is going to reveal what we could call the word of God in person. Jesus. The text is going to reveal the person, but not just the person, also what that person intends to do. And that's the cross. I know he did more than the cross, but in the summary, Paul the apostle is going to describe it as Jesus and him crucified. That is the great purpose of what this book, the text, is going to point to. That's the great purpose of why Christ came. He didn't just come to wave at us and say, hey guys, I hope you're doing well, and then ditch us. He came to do something on our behalf, and that's the cross. And that cross is going to open up a way, an avenue for us to enter into a throne room of grace. And when we humble ourselves and believe in him, we are taken with him to enter boldly into his very presence. He says, ask for the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, can literally live inside of us and now in and through us reveal that text, that man, and that work. Oh boy, guys, this is good stuff. This is exciting. So let's look at all these huge, momentous revelations of who God is. This invisible God has made himself known. One of the ways he did it is through his creation. His creation showcases his invisible attributes, right? And who hovered over the water? Remember when it was formless and void back in Genesis 1? Who was hovering over that water? Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit. How about the text? How did the text get to us? Well, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of, you could even say, the writers, and they were moved to write the text of Scripture which reveals the invisible God. How about the man Jesus? How was Jesus conceived? Or you could say the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. He was conceived of by the Holy Spirit. He's the Son of God, truly. In his biology, he's the Son of God. He's not just the the Son of Mary. He's the Son of God. Biologically speaking, the cross, it is choreographed by the Holy Spirit. Everything from the betrayal uh, of for 30 pieces of silver, the very day in which it's going to happen, all is being masterminded, superintended by the Holy Spirit. And how about the indwelling? Well, uh, that's not going to work without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit hovering over our souls, filling us and recreating us and making us a new creation in Christ Jesus. And then what we will call the mystery revealed, which is going to be one of the sub-sessions of this series, if you want to take it deeper. This is the mystery revealed. It's been hidden for ages and generations, but it's Christ in us so that through us, the manifold wisdom of God would be revealed to 
the highest realms, the heavenly realms, and to this earth. Whoa, it's amazing. All right, let's do a quick meditation on this invisible hand, and let's just cherish how God works. Psalm 1835, you have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me, and your gentleness makes me great. What upholds him? God's right hand. Psalm 26, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Psalm 4810, as is your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Psalm 60, verse 5, that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand and answer us. Psalm 63, 8, my soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. What saves us? Well, in the Old Testament here, we see a whole bunch of evidence that it's the right hand of God that saves us. Now, let's go into the New Testament. If I were to say, what saves you? You could say, and rightfully so, Jesus Christ. You'd be right. You see, Jesus is the manifestation of that right hand that saves. You could also say, I'm saved by grace through faith. You'd be right. You see, that invisible hand is the working of God. It's that which makes it all happen. That's grace. We are saved by this. The word of God in text and in person and in action is going to take that which is invisible and reveal it. So as we begin this whole thing, as we talk about this five-fingered giant that crushes the head of the six-fingered one that we were all impressed with. I mean, that guy is tall. Look at his stature. He is nothing in light of the five-fingered giant. What God has commissioned and how he commissioned his text, that man to come, that cross work, and then the indwelling of his Holy Spirit in us that Christianity would showcase the invisible nature of God that we could see that which otherwise could not be seen. This is amazing. This is the five-fingered giant at work who will not lose and at his feet every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guys, if you want to take this deeper, I have three more sessions on this in this series that I think would greatly encourage you and edify you. So I highly encourage you to go dig those up. Ellerslie.com forward slash daily, and you'll get all you need to take it deeper. God's blessings. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.